You are listening to The Yoni Codes, where every week we explore the secret mysteries of the divine feminine through the reclamation of motherhood, entrepreneurship, and relationship. Through the gates of your yoni and held within your womb are secret codes that, when activated, spark magic, healing, and rebirth. The Yoni Codes are the wisdom keys to harnessing your power, healing your lineage, and expressing your magic in the world. We believe that if every woman unlocks the Yoni Codes within themselves, the ripple effect will be the healing of our collective. I'm Melissa April. I'm Catherine Blanco. Let us dive into the mysteries together. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Yoni Codes. I am so excited to be here today with a very special guest of honor, Leah Bales. She is the founder of Soul Big Life Coaching. She's a podcast host. She has a well of wisdom. And I'm so, so, so excited to dive into this conversation. And I know Catherine is too. (laughs) I believe you two first connected actually. And when Catherine brought the conversation that they originally had, I was like, oh my gosh, we need to have this, this woman on the show because it's bringing in a different dynamic of what we've been talking about. Catherine and I are, you know, mid thirties, no later thirties now, (laughs) like (laughs) mid mid twenties, speaking about our, our experience as, you know, conscious feminine leaders in the world. Um, But there's. A different there's different phases different stages and um i think leah is going to bring a really cool dynamic to the show so welcome leah could you give thank us you a so little... much it's great to be here yeah so wonderful to have you can you share a little bit with the uh audience who you are what you do um what your passion is sure well i just think this is such a great show that you have that you're tapping into that divine wisdom of the feminine that wants to come through each of us into the world right now. I feel like that's so important. And I love the format you have and the conversations you have. So I'm just delighted to be part of it and to be offering, you know, a little different perspective because I'm 66 and, you know, and things, I have daughters your age and grandchildren and, you know, I'm right in the midst of all that. So I have worked for many years with um, holistic healing and energy work. I had a really serious immune system crash when I was in my early 30s. I was a mom, had three little kids, three under, three and a half. And I was in grad school and, you know, doing all the things I thought I was supposed to do to succeed. And I crashed. <laughs> so it was one of the best things that ever happened to me. I went on a real healing journey learning to, you know, working with masters of yoga and Qigong and energy medicine and mind-body healing and learn to heal myself to activate that extraordinary power that we all have inside ourselves. And then went on to get my master's in psych and work with hospitals and wellness centers, work through an integrative medicine clinic for a number of years, helping other people from all different groups of people and ages activate their own extraordinary healing power. And today I work primarily with big hearted, um, high achieving people who have bright dreams for their lives in the world. And, you know, it's 
kind of tough sometimes to be big hearted, sensitive, highly perceptive people in the world, you know, and how do we live with our hearts wide open? How do we live with that heart energy and bring that into the world and still feel safe and grounded and do, you know, bring knowing what we're here to do, finding the clarity and having the strength in ourselves to do that and the love. So that's really what I do. I bring the same mind, body, energy, healing, soulful techniques that I taught in hospitals and wellness centers now to entrepreneurs and creatives and artists who can integrate that into their own lives. And I love it. And as I've been mentioning to both of you, I'm a grandmama. I have six, almost six. We have another one due in two weeks, um, grandchildren, and have had the great joy of having one of the families live with us for the birth of two of their children. So a year ago, they were here for the birth of their daughter. Now they've just been here for and are still here for the birth of their son. He was born a month ago. Another daughter just moved into this our little area um, this weekend. And she's due in two weeks with her second. So it's just been a really amazing time to experience that motherhood, the grandmotherhood in a, at that, a different level, you know, and just to be really immersed in babiness again and being supportive in every way that we can. Wow. Wow. So cool. And as you're talking, I'm like, you're so close to the birth portal right now, mm-hmm. which is so perfect for the yeah. show. And so I'm, I'm excited. I just want to like ask you, <laughs> did you, do you feel that energy? Like when your daughters are going through that, like as the grandmother, like, do you feel that portal opening? Do you feel like what, what comes through for you? So much, I, you know, I, I really haven't even expressed it. It's, it's wonderful that you asked. And I realized I haven't expressed that fully mm-hmm. and, because we're so immersed in it. (laughs) Like last year when Meridian, the little girl was born, I was in the birth room with them. There were just, uh, just her dad and I, and then the midwife and attendants, but it was so amazing to be there in that process. This year I was with her so they could go and have the baby. (laughs) So I wasn't present, but it is. And sometimes Juliana, my daughter will be nursing and I'll feel that kind of letdown response in my own breasts, you know, and, and then this amazing overlay feeling of like, oh, that's my baby there, you know, with her baby and Mm. just quite extraordinary. Yeah. Um, Mm. It is the wonder really of it and the mystery and, you know, that really being right on the edge of life as we are. And when the, the portal, as you said, opens. Mm. And just, you know, I, one way that I helped for the first three and a half weeks until just a couple of days ago, I tend to wake up really early and usually I'll write for a little bit and go back to bed, but I'll wake up two 30 or three. So last year and this year I said, well, let me just take that shift with the baby. Mm. So, cause you know, they're still in the stage where they want to be held all the time and that's natural and what they need, they nurse and then they're held. And so I've had that from like three in the morning to eight or so of being able to hold the little baby. And if he needs to nurse, he goes to his mama, but she can sleep, they can sleep, you know, and what bliss for me to just be there in that place with that newborn. Wow. And I'm curious, like, how does it feel to be sort of in that lens, like having this new lens on motherhood coming Mm -hmm. from, from your grandmother wisdom? Like, how has that been for you? And, 
how receptive have, have your daughters been to receiving that? Oh, very receptive. That. I think yeah. they you know, have a lot of um, appreciation for me, which is mm-hmm. wonderful. And of course, I have to really try if there are times when they want to do things differently, you know, to let that happen. And there mm-hmm. are times, certainly in the birth room, it really happened a lot. I would try to step back and let them be the center. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and continually that happens. And that's, you know, being a parent of adult children. Well, even Catherine, you have a, a, a teenager, yes. and, you know, that <laughs> you just, there's so much of that that has to be done. Like, and mm-hmm waiting to give advice until it's asked or if you feel like you need just asking carefully I have some thoughts do you want to hear them and you know try not to be too attached to any of it and even when kids do ask for advice sometimes they don't want it you know so just trying to be mostly just hold a container of love and acceptance and Mm. trying to be careful with giving too much advice yeah I have to move out of the director role, you know, realizing that for so many years, I directed so much that would happen, you know, and a lot needed me to direct it. And the kids will remind me, mom, you can step back from this. We've got it. You don't need to do it. And that's not just having babies, but just, I think, moving into that matriarch role rather than the mother role. Yes. Different. And not wanting to be a domineering matrix. (laughs) Matriarch. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's so interesting to hear that perspective because, uh, well, I have twins are 18 months old, mm. uh, 19 months old almost, mm. and they're my first two. And yeah, just navigating a lot of that with my mom. And then, and so it's just interesting hearing you. I don't think my mom would be able to articulate that the way you did. So it's, thank you for putting words to that. But that must be an interesting an interesting role because I know how it feels to be on the receiving end, mm-hmm. but then I think to be on the opposite. Yeah. You're stepping into that matriarch role is, mm-hmm. is just different. It's just different. And I guess you won't know until you're there, you're in, in that right. situation. Mm-hmm. And Melissa, I have twins too. My daughter who gave birth last month. Well, yeah. Last month. And my daughter who is giving birth this month are twins. <laughs> so, oh my god! <laughs> like we realize it's the closest we all get to having twins in the family because I always kind of hoped they would have it, and they're like, "Oh, mom, please don't hope that on us." You know, but um, so now we have twins, and we're living close together, and almost twins. I mean, like a month apart. Wow! So, yeah, beautiful. Super fun. So I would love to just speaking of the matriarchal and what you and Catherine were talking about. I'd love to just kind of segue into that realm if that's cool with everybody um could you explain or describe your journey entering into that phase into you know I don't know I don't know when that is is it like 40 45 you start or is it just different for everybody kind of that you go over that hump into the menopausal years and there's a transition there's a shift um in our energy and our bodies um, what was that like for you? Cause it sounds like you had already been on that journey of healing and growth. So I'm sure that your take on it might be very different than somebody who maybe hasn't been through the same level of self-healing 
And well, I, I do think I was fortunate that to have the immune system crash in my early 30s because it did make me look at you know, how I was taking care of myself and not taking care of myself and what I needed to do. And I think it has helped me age better <laughs> to have really had started at that point, really committing to knowing that my body was very sensitive and I needed to work with that as a positive thing, you know, and so eating really well and, and, you know, resting and, you know, making a real shift with that. So that definitely made a difference. I think I, I was, I just hated the idea of menopause. And I think it's because I had been really connected with the sacred feminine from the time I was a teenager and the whole idea of womb wisdom. And for me, most of that was tied up with babies. I always knew I wanted to have babies. I loved the idea of motherhood. I loved having my menstrual cycles. I just loved it, you know? And so the idea of that ending just really did feel like a death. And I was, I realized I had some pretty negative thoughts about it. You know, it's like, that it felt like it was going to be the end of all sorts of things. It felt like a death. I love that you talk a lot about rebirth because we have so many of them, but it definitely felt like a death to me. And my, it's kind of a long story, but I had a lot of things fall apart in my life in the couple of years right before that. I got a divorce from the man I loved dearly. We loved each other and knew we needed to end. We'd been married 25 years. So the same month we got a divorce. I quit my corporate job, my corporate wellness job and moved out of the house I loved dearly. <laughs> so, you know, it was like everything was falling apart. Four months later, well, and my oldest daughter got engaged. So I started planning her wedding in the midst of all that. Four months later, my former husband, dear friend, was diagnosed with colon cancer. Mm. And he got very sick and I moved back in and took care of him and he died within months. So it was like everything falling apart in a way and needing to find really ground into that strength and love in myself to be able to hold the space for everyone and all we were going through. Mm. And then about a year later, I went through menopause and I really did think it was the end <laughs> and um, was not realizing, I mean, I didn't really think it was the end. I knew it, but I, I think I just had a lot of fears about it and a lot of negative thoughts. I had no idea that what actually happens is that a rising of energy can occur. And we, we do have to let go. We have to let go of having babies. We have to let go of that fresh, youthful beauty. It's different, you know, uh, but there, there's a rising of energy. I think of it as Shakti, that feminine energy, that power that actually rises at that time. So I know you talk a lot about womb wisdom. And I think I thought that was all tied up with children, babies. Mm -hmm. And I realized even though the eggs are not producing babies, I still think of them as energetically alive. And I think we have, they're still in us, you know, energetically, I think they're alive. And we at that point have potential in those next, most of us live for another 40 years to have more freedom, more possibility, more expansion in all sorts of ways, more creativity. Um, there are a lot of things we let go of at that point. Yeah. So I've been talking a lot. I'm going to wait and let you talk a little. No, I find this so fascinating because mm -hmm. something that I, I teach about teach in my work is creation intelligence and mm -hmm. how I think before, you know, in my um, trying to conceive journey, the whole fertility journey, 
I think I was really wrapped up in like my womanhood being tied to my ability to have children. And um, I started to come more in touch with my body and my, my anatomy and my femininity and all of this. It was a very powerful healing time for me. Let's just say that lasted many, many years. <laughs> um, but what I realized since having my, my kids is that this creation intelligence isn't just for babies. The creation intelligence is in everything that we go on to create as women in the world, our relationships, our, our art, our everything, 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 everything. Um, and it's not something that we're taught. We're not taught this magic is it lives within us. Most of the time we're living half of our life. I know I did until my thirties that was completely dormant. I didn't know how to access it until I had kids. And now I'm realizing no, 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 no. Because there's people who don't want to have kids who can't have kids who choose whatever. And that doesn't mean that they can't access that as well. And it also doesn't mean that we should have to wait until our menopausal years to then find out this information, which because of conditioning in our society and the patriarchy, most of the time people are going to enter into those years, hating themselves more and feeling less ecstatic and divine and radiant. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I just like, I'm eating this up what you're saying, because it's so powerful. And it's like, Oh my goodness, somebody who's been on the journey that you have, who was so connected to herself and her body, who then went through this like death during this time and finding this rise of energy, Kundalini Shakti. And just like, it's like, do you think that it's possible for us to, as women to access this? Absolutely. Like you, it's inside each of us. And yet it's not, it's not that we get to be 50, 55. It's inevitably going to rise. We need to help nurture it. You know, and part of that is noticing what our conditioning is and what we're thinking and looking, you know, resetting our brain, the reticular activating system, the part of the brain that shows us what we want to find. And we need to start looking for models five, 10, 20 years older than us who are whatever we want, vibrant, engaged, creative, making a difference in the world. You know, those are things I look for in older women, you know, and that helps us open up to possibility. So we notice, uh, are we limiting what we think can happen? Because there are plenty of models of older women, older men who are not vibrant, not engaged to our, you know, just like on that downhill slide <laughs> that we think is inevitable. It's not, but we have to condition, remind ourselves to look for those. So I think that's important, you know, like look for those and then begin thinking in possibilities. And I think it's also really important to like take deep care of ourselves in a way that we're continually replenishing our inner reserves and most of what we call self-care, I think, is a little superficial, but it's like, what do we do? What Noticing those inner reserves. When I was in my 30s and got sick, I realized those inner reserves were deeply depleted. And I needed to live in a way that they stayed replenished, not just like, go, 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 crash, fill up, you know, like those reserves, are, that's what that life force comes from. 
So when I work with women, have a number of clients in their early 30s, like the way you're taking care of yourself now and imagining your future and caring for yourself will affect the way you age. It'll affect the way you have menopause and it'll affect what you do throughout your life. You know, So what we're doing at any point makes a difference. But that imagining what we really want, envisioning it, taking steps toward it, and really cherishing that life force, that inner reserve, and doing what we need to continually to replenish it. Well, and I would say too, like when you're speaking to how, how we go about replenishing ourselves, we're talking more than just how we're nourishing ourselves, like with our plate too. Right. Am, am I right? Like, like we're, we're going deeper than, than what, what we're filling our bellies. It's also even the media that we're consuming and, mm-hmm. and all sorts of other aspects that could be interfering with, with how we move through those years too. So. Absolutely, Catherine. You know, yeah. you're talking about nourishment and you're right. What we read, what we think, who we're around nourishes mm-hmm. us. And, you know, it's also like, what do we do that makes us remember who we really are? Mm. And how do we do that every day? You know, like I know someone <laughs> a couple of years ago was at a conference and a woman said, oh, I can always tell if a woman's taking care of herself by how her nails look. And I'm like, oh, my nails never look good. I usually look like I came in from the garden, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, to me, self-care is not going to a nail salon. You know, I do sometimes, but that's not deep self-care. But real self-care to me is like, what helps you remember who you are? Mm-hmm. What helps you come home to that? And what helps you live in that? And doing it every day, even if it's just 10 minutes, even if it's just sitting in your forest, you know, feeling mm-hmm. the trees or, you know, whatever whatever it is. And, and honoring who we are and what nourishes that connection with that. And then, like, you, I forget the words you used, Melissa, but I loved it, like the creation, what was it? Creation, creation? intelligence. Yes, like noticing that is who we are, that creative intelligence, that creative spirit, and what nourishes that, what helps that stay alive, you know, like, so what depletes us, what energizes us, and what, you know, continually, not just like, like all day long, what thoughts what interactions, what, what way of breathing and being helps us feel connected to that. That's a really beautiful way to look at self-care and self-love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, self-love. You know, I think that there's been a lot lately about body positivity, which I think is great. But I heard someone recently say, well, you can't always be positive about your body. You should just be neutral. I'm like, what? And so they were saying, because you look at yourself, you're not always going to love yourself. It's like, oh my gosh, loving your body and loving yourself cannot be about what you look like. Mm, (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and to just say, well, I don't love my body, but I'm body neutral. It's like, no, I mean, we have to find how we have that love and connection with ourselves, even because certainly as we age, we're not going to look like we did at 20 before we had kids or, you know, before we went through the changes. And does that mean we are body neutral? I, I don't like that. You know, I like loving, but on a different, the real body, the experienced body from inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think our culture sets us up to be body neutral. Like from the moment you're, you know, 12 years old, you get boobs, you get your period, like you're, you're in the system, you're in the system of 
you know, you're in the business of not loving your body essentially, right? That's the whole system is designed. But even body neutral, don't you think that's kind of negative? Don't you want like to press? Well, it almost, it almost seems like when you say that, it seems like numb, like you're numbing yourself to your body. Or disassociating from your body. And that doesn't sound healthy at all because if you love your body, you're going to take actions that like love is more than just a feeling. It's action. Like love is a verb. And if you're neutral about your body, how are you going to love your, like, how are you going to love on it? How are you going to nourish something you're neutral about? Right. Neutral, neutral seems like take it or leave it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, who cares? Yeah. It's like, this is the one you've got this time. (laughs) You want to be in love with your body and it, yeah. I love that reframe. It's kind of like, oh, wait a minute. It's not even about what it looks like. It's about loving it and how you show up for it. Much deeper and how we connect with it and are guided by it and talk Mm -hmm. with it and listen with her. Yeah. How we do that. Yeah. 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 So how did you like, how did you get out of the darkness? I'm curious, like to kind of go back to, to that story around your, your transition into menopause and, and feeling like, like a death and almost like a grief process to, how did you come back to the light in it? Like, what were your, what do you feel were the pillars of moving through that time? Well, I think it was sort of almost like a, a mind thing that I had like, oh yeah, menopause is awful. You know, I'm going to be like, it's just, and then I realized there was a real difference with how I actually felt. It was kind of like, no, that's not actually what I'm feeling. (laughs) What I feel is this rising of energy and this expansion of possibility. So it was kind of that being curious, like, huh, really? Is that really what I'm feeling? It's like, no, it isn't. It's this mind thing that was running that was, so I don't think I, there was so much like when my, my former husband died, I mean, there was just such grief from that. And I just sat here, you know, uh, out on the porch, you know, in the trees and listened a lot, you know, when someone would need me, I'd get up and do it. When they didn't, I just sat and felt and, you know, was with it. So I think that was the biggest. And then the months before that, leading up to that, it certainly took a lot of intentionality. I remember one of the little things I did, because that was definitely the hardest year of my life. But what I realized then was how it was challenging, but what made it hard, what made it a struggle was the way I thought about it. And that I continually had choice with that and doing, doing, you know, and that doing things, little things like it may seem so silly, but it was big. I kept a hooray journal you know, and it wasn't just a gratitude journal, it was a hooray, hooray today, whatever it was, little things, you know, that kind of pumped my energy up. And I did that all year, wrote down just a few hooray, you know, and it could be like something so simple, you would not even necessarily think about it. But I just like that, focusing on that and bringing that energy uprising in my body was helpful. I had a dear friend I walked with almost every day. And, you know, so that connection with another woman was really important. Um, So little things and just realizing that year really taught me the struggle came in the way I was thinking about things. Mm. And in being able to surrender with love to what was and meet it as clearly as I could, you know, that was on a different level than my mind. Oh, this is terrible. This is terrible. This is happening. Oh my gosh. You know, that 
made it hard, <sighs> meeting it with love, showing up as well as I could, doing, you know, like not being perfect, but being mm -hmm. love as much as possible and being present as everything shifted. Mm -hmm. Got me through that in a really strong way and got my kids through it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what you said, the power of choice, which, you know, we hear about, but not necessarily so much in context of right. our everyday life. And what does that really look like? Because as you're talking, I can almost like tap into those moments in my life where just around like body and aging and all of this stuff where, yeah, you do feel differently, but it's almost like the mind really wants to keep you fixated mm -hmm. on the negative or fixated right. on the program, fixated mm -hmm. on the conditioning, fixated on that direction, that narrative. Right. When you really tap into the body and the body wisdom and your womb and your heart, mm -hmm. it's like, I actually don't feel the way that I'm thinking. Yes. And can I let my body be right about that? Yes, Melissa, that even in those really tough times, even in the death of people we love, when we tap into our life force, when we tap into that energy, we it's different. It's like we're there and present for it. I've, I've been with my father in his death and, and John in his death and a couple of other people. And what, it's like birth mm -hmm. into mystery, you know, and that doesn't mean it wasn't painful, but it getting out of that mind conditioning, like you were talking about, and like you said, into your body, grounding, being embodied in it and realizing even here, there can be whatever we want to call it, a joy, a presence, mm -hmm. a connection with life mm -hmm. that will guide us through it. It's so powerful. And when we can let go of because we all do have the thinking mind has negative bias. It's that's just trying to keep us safe. And it's not that we want to blame it, it just has that, you know, in a survival place that it's constantly looking for that. But when we can bring it back, as you said, to that embodied presence and the embodied where awareness, we're grounded in our strength and our heart and our womb. It allows us to expand into a soulful realm, a spiritual realm in whatever is happening. And that doesn't mean we're leaving. We're more fully present, more fully loving, well, more finding, fully alive in whatever is happening. Yeah. And finding safety in it, right? Like having, you can be going through grief of a loved one or grief of the old you, or, you know, like the, there's so many different times that we're going through that that death cycle mm -hmm. of release and feeling safe in it. It's the same, like even in the, the birth process can be a really intense experience and it doesn't necessarily feel safe, but knowing that you are safe is a different. Is it's a, the only true place. safety. Yeah. Is that exactly. safety of connection with our heart and our womb yeah. and our deep, deep self. It's the only true safety. And no matter what happens, and because it's not, it's eternal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I think this is actually where that primordial feminine intelligence comes from, mm -hmm. right? Is when, and we talk, I mean, Catherine and I, <laughs> the uni codes, <laughs> I feel like 
she just wants us to remember how wise, how divine our bodies truly are, how special and magical that they really are and how much wisdom they really hold. It's not just a meat suit. It's not just a body. And it's like to really access that wisdom that we talk about and embody it. It's like, we do have to be in the body. We do have to have that trust in our body, in our in our experience of life and in that life and and that trust of that life force. And in that, then we connect with what I think of as the great heart, Mm -hmm. you know, that, that bigger love that is beyond our own self that we can tap into and access, you know, we tap into the great heart, the divine, however we want to think of it. And we can allow that physically and, energetically to come through us when we're like you said embodied and present Mm. curious how um again kind of going back into the menopause phase um how did your relationships shift like i'm not sure where you are in your life, do you see a lot of other women embracing these years? Probably because you surround yourself with people who (laughs) are embracing that, but I'm sure you're also, you also see people in your life who aren't. And I'm just curious, like what's, what's that been like in sisterhood and in connection with other, with other women? Well, there are certainly women who complain about it and, you know, go into the negative and I try not to spend time with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, I think when, certainly with my coaching clients and my students are really encouraging people to look at what the opportunities are. You know, we've talked about the triple goddess, the girl, the mother, the crone. And I think we're missing a huge important part when we, when we frame it that way, because between mother and crone is about 30, 40 years <laughs> of fullness. And you know, I'm not the only one who's talked about this, but I think it's really important to reframe that conversation. And, you know, that's the period of the, the queen of the harvest. That's, you know, when we think of the year of life, that's the fall. That's when things come to their fruition you know and so when it doesn't often take much in talking with women or men really i mean it's true for men too to realize oh there's a choice here of how we do that in a chinese traditional chinese they talk about i think it starts when you're 60 is your um second spring <laughs> and the idea that you're reblossoming and regrowing you know and so um i find that people are very eager to look at that because and and to shift that way and it's something i love working with people you know i had one woman who was 65 who said well i I realize i'm just in god's waiting room you know i look at her and i see this vibrant woman who's spiritual and got all this stuff going and it's like huh well you can think of it that way but you could easily live another 30 years is that where you want to hang out you know and in one way of course we're all in god's waiting room because death could have been at any moment. And it's important to have that, but it doesn't mean we're just waiting around for it. Like, and in fact, I think that's one of the great things about this stage of life is you realize you don't have forever and what really matters. Some people talk about having a bucket list. I think it's more important to have a flip it list, you know, <laughs> like what, what are we ready to let go of? What can we just say? No, I don't care anymore about this or this or this. No. Oh, I'm wasting energy on that thing. Not anymore. 
you know, so that there's more available for what we really want. And that goes for relationships. Yeah, that goes for, I think, a lot of, I think of, you know, Wild Wisdom is a performance piece I've done some, and it came to me in the middle of the night. Like there is a wisdom that I think comes more easily to people in the second half of life because we're not as attached to all the responsibilities, you know, that there are things that come and not that you can't have that earlier, because of course you can, but it's like um, a little less need to do what we've been told we needed to do. Mm. And that allows more to come through if we, if we create the space for it. Yeah. There's freedom in that. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And I do agree with whichever one of you, I think Melissa says you shouldn't have to wait for menopause. And I agree. Yeah. I do think it's also nice. You don't have to wait for any of it, but also nice to know there may be things opening up that you haven't even imagined yet Mm -hmm. (laughs) coming at that time. Yeah, no, it's, it's so exciting. I mean, when I think of, yeah, because you're just not you're not at a place yet to receive it. It's like your life is constantly met with these initiations and these Mm -hmm. doorways that we walk through. And, you know, if you're going to enter into that phase when you're 20 and you're not quite ready, it might, it might fall short. (laughs) You might not quite get it. Or, (laughs) and no matter how much you do at 20, I mean, the idea I hope is as long as we're alive, we're evolving and growing. And so if we're ever evolving and growing, whatever work you do earlier, fabulous. That's great. And there'll be more wonder, more growth, more things to like, you know, we get to be the rose that continually blooms or the butterfly that becomes caterpillar, butterfly, caterpillar, butterfly again and again, you know, we get that continual transformation. So yeah, it's um, always possible for more evolution and growth. I almost see like... I don't know, just like the barriers, the walls, the, the separation between these different phases of life, just kind of crumbling Mm. where we are coming back together as one Mm. and being able to like intermingle with people of all phases and stages, because there is so much wisdom. And I know, I certainly know people in their twenties who have more wisdom than you know, Aunt Jo, who's in her 70s, like, because she's just cracked open, you know, so I think that we're able to see each other in our radiance and in that magic, when we're open to interacting with each other and being in places where we're we're all there. Um, Really important. Yeah. Yeah. Bringing that aspect of the village back to our modern lives is a, I think it is something I hear a lot in, in the moms that I speak to and, and women that I know is like, there's this longing for more of that more of the, the wisdom keepers to be with us so that we can learn and we're all so divided and it can be hard, but I, I do, I do see that, that there is a shift happening and there's more, there's more of conversations like these. And I think we hope to have more of them on this show to sort of bridge that gap. So, because we should be learning from one another. Absolutely. There's so yeah. much. I mean, I learned so much from my children and my grandchildren and my babies. Mm. You know? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Amazing teachers. Mm. Right. 
Oh my gosh. <laughs> Every day. <laughs> yeah, boy. Mm. Oh my goodness. Wow. So what do we think? I'm going to ask you, Leah, what do you think from the conversation that we've had so far the yoni code is that that again that primordial feminine intelligence that's coming through what what's in your heart in your womb well interestingly the words that came is remember you're not alone Mm -hmm. and that you never have to do any of it alone and that we have community connection like you create like i create and that you know mingles and we have in whatever our faith system is, whatever our belief system is, we have access to that bigger, the expanded mind, the holy heart, the great, the great heart, the great love. That so that whatever it is we're in, whatever situation we're in, remembering we're not meant to do it alone. We reach out for human support and human help whether even if it's virtual, you know, or in person. And at any moment, we can tap in to that higher mind and that great heart. Mm. So beautiful. Love it. It's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like getting other people to do the Yoni code. It's fun. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> it's fun. Like, yeah, that's a good one. Oh, mm. uh, Catherine, do you have any other questions? Yeah, I'm curious. Well, I've I have so many questions. I like don't want to um, send us on another <laughs> tangent. We feel like we're we're complete here, but um, I guess I am curious, like the about a little bit about the the work that you do and um, how how you feel yeah like how you feel your clients are like integrating the process of of these transformations and do you feel like you're finding more women reaching out um to become more in tune with with that feminine consciousness in their womb space and how yeah how is it showing up for you in your work mm-hmm. well i think some people call it that and some people may call it something a little different mm-hmm. and yet that's yeah. what it is yeah uh i think as Right now, there's so much in the world that is so um, challenging and worrisome, and a lot of people feel um, drained by that, both the challenges in their own lives and in the world around us, and not wanting people, like, see people not wanting to cut it out, but also not knowing how to navigate that. And I think it's very important for people to have support, um, for people to remember deeply who they really are and find that connection inside them ourselves, all of us, and remind each other, you know, of our strength and our our true safety and power from within. So, um, well, like one woman recently said to me, oh my gosh, you know, I feel like in our coaching, I've become a whole different woman. And then I realized I've just become who I really was meant to be my whole life, you know, and, and that, you know, that's, is the journey, isn't it? You know, we realize, oh yeah, it's just more who we are. And I believe these times, even though they're very, very challenging, and I think they are, I think they're really challenging times. I think just like challenge, personal challenges in our lives, collectively and individually, they can help us grow into who we really are. The, the quote and the person at the moment is escaping me, um, Clarissa Pinkola Estes, who said, um, 
do not lose heart. You were made for these times. Mm-hmm. And to remember we all each are made for these times and we're called forth um, to find ourselves more fully, to live in deeper connection with ourselves and these, the challenges in our lives and around us actually help us to bring that forward. Mm. Well, yeah, we're in, we're in that collective death cycle, right? That's right. Mm -hmm. Do not lose heart. You were made for these times. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And we know like, this is what we're made. We are made for Like we're literally creatures of creation. Like we know how to rebirth. We know how to transform and transition from one phase to the next, from one stage Mm -hmm. to the next. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it hurts. I mean, remembering, you know, I think some, we shouldn't think, oh, there's something wrong with me because I'm resisting this. It's like, go into that, feel that. When the snake is shedding her skin, she's really grumpy <laughs> for a few days and she gets really cloudy and she can't see. And then she sheds her skin and she comes out and she's glossy and beautiful and bigger and stronger, you know? And so sometimes we have those times. I, I know I was hearing the two of you write, talk about, about frustration and it's like sometimes and that can be even a creative process too where that creative grappling you know with like and just being curious about it all and being super loving and kind that kind curiosity like hmm how can I grow and evolve with this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. how is this guiding me this too this discomfort how is this guiding me yes it's and of course it ties into birth right (laughs) the the discomfort of the birth process it's there to serve us so I feel like this is a beautiful way to to close today's conversation I am so grateful that you came on our show Leah and we hope to have you back again because we feel like we could talk about so many other things with you or even dive into this even deeper um so please um i hope you'll come back and thank you so much for today i'd love to come back and it's been <laughs> absolutely wonderful to talk with you i'm so glad to have connected with you and um be in touch with your work that you're doing so thank you very much for having me mm-hmm. yes thank you and is there any final words that you want to leave our <laughs> audience with no no Just remember, you're not alone and within you and around you is great strength and love and wisdom and courage. Mm. Beautiful. So so needed right now. I feel like we need an audio tape. Your voice is so soothing. (laughs) Thank you everybody for tuning in today. All that you need to know where to find Leo is going to be in the show notes for you. Um, But you can find her at www.soulbiglife.com or you can send her an email directly, leah at leahbales.com. And again, all of that is going to be in the show notes for you. Thank you so much. Can't wait to speak with you again. We hope you enjoyed the show and we will be back in a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to this Yoni Code. If this episode moved, inspired, or flat out entertained you, please head over to iTunes and give us five stars or share with a friend. Follow us on Instagram at the Yoni Codes to continue the conversation. Oh, and make sure to click on the link in the profile for other ways to connect. We look forward to unlocking the next Yoni Code together.